I want to share today uh, along the lines of <clears throat> understanding, of gaining new understanding in Christ um, as it relates to a prophetic word that was given over us recently, um, a prophet to the house here for the last 25 years. And, and so we're going to uh, kind of work our way around to that. Um, <clears throat> but I want to specifically talk about understanding and uh, whenever you listen to people talk about a visitation of the Spirit, as uh, many of us have experienced different, I've, I've seen four different visitations of the Spirit in my lifetime, and I'm not even that old, but um, it, they've been marvelous encounters and experiences, and I've watched how God has worked in very unique ways. And, and uh, those things actually are always prophetically foretold. And that is the nature of the Holy Spirit is to disclose that which is to come. And Jesus tells us that in John chapter 16, I believe it is. And uh, so, but when you listen to people talk about a visitation of the Spirit uh, in history or concerning our prophetic future, many of us have a particular event in mind and encounters with God's presence that are manifested in unique and unusual ways at times. And uh, this is all well and good, and it's a historical reality uh, from recent decades, hundreds of years in the past, and even in biblical days, where God showed up in his power, and, and people responded in very unique uh, ways that were not the everyday of, of their experience. And uh, <clears throat> so I do think that it's important for us to contextualize the outpourings and visitations of God's presence by his Spirit um, so that we don't miss what we all long to see. And there seems to be waves of glory that come and move throughout humanity uh, in different parts of the earth and in different regions of the world and in different cities. And it's been interesting to watch over the years. And uh, <clears throat> he is always moving. He is always present with all of us. But there is extraordinary and unique movement whenever there is a, a very specific and profound uh, visitation and manifestation of himself. But to place this reality of how he has always worked and how he is today upon the earth, I think it's important to place it in the context of a larger outpouring, and that is that all of creation actually, everything visible is an, an expression and an outpouring of God's being for humankind to behold, to enjoy, and to steward. Let's never forget that. When you look out at creation, it is a manifestation of the outpouring of God himself. You are seeing expressions in some of the very essence of his being actually in creation. All of creation, everything visible is an expression, an outpouring of God. John chapter 1 and verse 3, all things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. All of creation, all of the universe came, in, came about through Christ our Lord, the creator, and it's a very expressions and a part of the very essence of his own being. 
That's why we get all excited. We wake up in the morning, we see a beautiful sunrise, and we start rejoicing. That's why in the spring of the year, as the trees begin to blossom and flower and and leaf out, we, we start getting all excited. And each season of the year, there is somehow a joy in our heart, and there's exclamation. Yesterday, my, my son and I were, um, had to go a couple other, other cities, and multiple times yesterday, we were exclaiming to one another about the beauty of the color of the trees. Did anybody do that on the way here this morning? Did anyone make any kind of a comment, wow, isn't that beautiful? What were we beholding is expression of Christ, the creator of the universe. And so he is the one that has shown his glory even through creation. Keep in mind, before creation, Christ was embedded in all things. Or we could say this way, all things were in Christ even before Creation was manifest in the universe because Christ was, always was, and is and is to come. Colossians 1. I love reading this scripture because everything of today that we experience and how we live out life must always be considered and appreciated in the larger context of who he is. Colossians 1, 15. He is the image of the invisible God. I wonder what God is like. Let's look at Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him, in Christ, all things in heaven and earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, All things have been created through him and for him. You might say he's got the whole world in his hands. All peoples are within his hands. And while the peoples of the earth, some are confused. Some don't recognize the one who has created them. Some have not experienced his loving lordship. Some think that they're better than other people. That's why we have fightings and divisions in the world. Power ploys. Because we haven't recognized the creator, the one who loves all. And then he says here, Paul says, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or power, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things and in him all things hold together. So we start talking about prophetic words and our past experience of of encounters with God that could be at personal levels, corporate levels, throughout the body of Christ at different places and times and seasons. All things visible and invisible to the natural eye came into being by Christ the creator and are being held together by Christ. I do want to make a distinction, though, between pantheism Versus pantheism. Pantheism says all is God. Mm, That can be problematic. And doesn't really coincide with the clarity from Scripture. 
Panentheism, all is in God. You understand, all is within him, comes out of his being. In other words, we don't believe that the rocks are God, and that's why we don't worship rocks. As beautiful as these trees are right now, the colorful trees, the red, the golds, the greens, and all the varied colors in between, <clears throat> they're beautiful, they're an expression of God, but we don't worship the trees because they are not God in and of themselves. We don't worship, worship animals, although they were created and came forth from him. We don't believe that the universe is God. But we do believe, as we've just read in Scripture, multiple places all through the Bible, that all of creation is within God and held together by God. So in physical creation, revealed in his goodness, the psalm speaks of rivers clapping their hands and mountains singing for joy. I love that verse, Psalms 98. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. You know, that's kind of weird, isn't it? It's weird only if we don't understand that all things have come forth from him as the creator of the universe. So all things visible and invisible are an outpouring of God himself. So when we talk about visitations and outpourings that you can see historically and back even to Scripture, okay, those are more specifically tailored to human encounter and human experience, which is very essential. But never forget that there's a bigger, larger picture here of the outpourings of God. And that's why we all love creation so much. That's why we love the mountains. That's why we love the deserts and all of the different places because they are an outpouring of God himself. Everything that exists in material form originally existed as only spirit, but it came from the being of Christ the creator. Before Jesus, the eternal Christ who's always existed and who was the agent of creation, all things were within his very being and then made manifest. Even Christ just, you know, is a mix of spirit and matter put together into one being. And he was revealed as Jesus uh, to all of mankind on the earth. But the very essence of God was poured into and expressed through a single human being, Christ Jesus. So all of humanity might come into union and become one with the divine one. And so there's none other than the universal Christ revealed in Jesus, the God-man. And what we always want to understand, because this is foundational to what he does and wants to do in our prophetic future, your prophetic future, the prophetic future of all people, is to understand that the divine presence has always had and revealed a connection with humanity and he is committed. He is one with all of humanity. He will not separate himself. Nothing can cause God's love to be withdrawn. Nothing. His mercy endures forever. That's why we have it dozens and dozens of times throughout Scripture. It is a revelation of the reality of who he is. His mercy endures forever. Mercy triumphs over judgment, the scriptures tell us. 
And everything, we all exist by the very breath of his presence. I love Acts 17. It's one of my favorite passages. Though he's not far from each one of us, Paul is telling these pagan philosophers at Athens. He said he's not far from each one of us. It's in him, guys. And he's not talking to believers. He's talking to people whose hearts were for God. And that's why they were creating images to worship because there was this innate sense that I am called and created to be a worshiper, but to whom do I direct my worship? So they would write on the inscriptions to the unknowing God. And Paul comes to town and says, let me tell you about the one that your heart longs for. Let me tell you about the unknowing God. He's not far from you. As a matter of fact, he is so close, it's in him that you are actually moving and living and having your being right now, even though you don't know him, even though you have not yet been told about the Lord Jesus Christ and you have not even had opportunity to embrace him, but you already have a divine connection. And Paul said, even as your poets have said, you are his children. You are his offspring, his children. And so you have Christ Jesus in creation and in and incarnation as well, uniting himself with the peoples of the earth, of every race, every kindred, tongue, and tribe. He unites himself only with that which he loves. Let's keep in mind, okay. So God, the essence of who he is, is love. Love is not a commodity with God. It is who he is. He, there is nothing other than love. He is pure love. And we see that revealed in so many ways in our world and throughout Scripture. We have the expression and the writings of such love as, as, as it was brought to a revelatory light. And he unites with what he loves. He heals all that he loves. That's why Jesus is the healer. He's the lover of our soul. He's the savior of all. He heals the brokenhearted. He has made that declaration of himself as it was told in Isaiah the prophet, Luke chapter 4. Then Jesus stands up and begins to quote Isaiah and the prophet concerning who he is as the healer, as the one who, who mends the broken hearts. He goes to the cross. He reconciles all people unto God, no longer counting the sins and trespasses of any person against them, according to the Apostle Paul's revelation that he had. Keep in mind, keep in mind, the evil that we have in this world, and it abounds. But remember, grace does much more abound but there is enough evil to go around to last for a lifetime. All evil and sin related as, uh, ex, uh, expressions of evil will be dealt with in judgment. That's why there will be an age of judgment. For Christians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, all Christians, that includes you and me and everybody else who embraces Christ as Lord, because we're in this beautiful process of being conformed to the likeness and image of Jesus Christ. We're in process. 
And so sometimes there's things about our lives that don't completely line up. And sometimes it's not willful. Sometimes it may be. But we're going to have those things burned away in judgment. So all evil will face the judgment. But remember, the judgment of Christ is restorative. It's not just punishment for punishment's sake. That's the way the world operates. That's the difference between the kingdom of the Lord and the kingdom of this world. The kingdoms of this world say, I caught you. You're going to, you have it coming. You're going to pay, buddy. That's the way we operate in the world. But not so with Christ. There is no such tone to the nature of God. The tone is, oh, my dear beloved souls, you've been so blind. You've been deceived. You've been duped. And his judgment comes, and it's the fire of his love that comes. Now, all of this is so important to understand localized um, visitations in different parts of the globe that are going on today and what God prophetically speaks for to come must be placed in the context of the bigger picture. Because otherwise, we can just wind up chasing our tails. You know, it's just one more encounter, one more experience. God has revealed himself through Christ Jesus. And Jesus said, now I'm going to go to the cross and be resurrected and ascend to the heavens, be seated at the right hand of the Father, but I will send my spirit. And so at Pentecost, Christ was revealed um, <clears throat> Or let's put it this way, the Holy Spirit was sent by the Father and by Christ, but the Holy Spirit has never been partial to any gender, to any race, or any culture upon the earth. There is no partiality. Any form of partiality is, contradicts who God is and who Christ Jesus is. That's why the, the scriptures are so clear again and again. In Christ, there's no male or female, Junior Greek, and on and on, Scythians, barbarians. Everyone is equal, stands before the Lord, accountable to him, and ones who are privileged to be loved by him. And so when the scripture talks about the spirit was poured out upon all flesh, yes, he was poured out upon all all people is actively working amongst the peoples of the earth today. And though, although not recognized by everyone, he is at work. The Holy Spirit is at work. I was, <clears throat> would, would say this, that the Holy Spirit is not poured out upon a person as a reward for being a good person for seeking after him. Now, we are called to turn our face, we're called to be seekers of Christ and his righteousness, but the Holy Spirit is not a reward. Now, if you look in the transition period where Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit, if you go to Matthew, I believe it was in Matthew chapter 7 there, <clears throat> he will give the Holy Spirit to all of them who ask, because understand, the Spirit had not yet been poured out. And so he's speaking to the Jewish people here, and he's wanting to awaken within them a desire for God's presence by his spirit, which then happened on, on Pentecost. But the spirit is not reserved and, and poured out just as a reward. Remember, 
sometimes what you get into religions of the world are, are um, reward punishment systems. If you're good enough, then you'll get God to do something good for you. And if you're bad enough, then you'll be punished for it. Reward punishment system. That's the way the kingdoms of this world operate, right? And so in the kingdoms of this world, you know, we have like, um, <clears throat> we know that if you are caught going 10 mile an hour or over, you're going to get a sizable ticket. And if you're caught going 20 mile an hour over the speed limit, you're going to pay more. Can anybody testify to that? <laughs> yes, I see that hand. <laughs> and so it's supposed to motivate us, right? Because that's how we have to do. We have to motivate. Bad stuff's going to happen to you, see? And so <clears throat> I'll remember this, is that God doesn't operate by a reward punishment system in the way that the world does. Now, he cautions us in that we know that there are consequences to our actions, and sometimes we reap what we sow in a negative way, and it's a bummer, okay? So he respects the, the, uh, the choices that we make, and so sometimes there's consequences of this. But what I really want to emphasize is, is that God has been at work from the beginning. Jesus said, John 3, 8, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you, you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. And every day when I wake up in the morning, I have this keen sense that the Spirit of the Lord is within me, He's upon me, He's around me, but I don't know always exactly where He's coming from or where He's going today. And it's our privilege, it's our privilege to awaken ourselves and awaken unto the goodness of God and, and, and to get alert and, and say, Lord, I want to be in step with the flow of your presence in your spirit today. It's our privilege to do so. And I don't want to do it from the standpoint of, oh boy, I guess something bad's going to happen if I don't. No, but rather, I want to be in the flow, in the divine flow of his presence in his life. So when the prophets speak about a visitation coming, it's not like I have to work for the experience of a visitation, but it's about a living in an awareness that he is here, he is present, and there is something that he is wanting to highlight and something that he is wanting to do that may be unusual to my experience and past encounters, but so be it because I want more. I want him to do whatever he wants, as we were singing in that last song this morning. Here I am, Lord. And so God loves to disclose, and that is a part of the beauty and the power of prophetic ministry, which we've always believed in as, as a community. And when I was a kid, um, in, in my background, we had no understanding of, of, of prophetic ministry for prophets. We just, we weren't taught those things and didn't understand them. And I was so excited when I began to gain some understanding as well as I began to see the fruit of prophetic, uh, of, of the ministry of the prophets and apostles and such, which I didn't understand as a kid. Um, and so 
it was, it was a glorious experience. And then to have personal encounters as I would respond to the, the voice of the Lord. So one of the most important things, though, in Scripture that Jesus first even preached was repent, have a change of mind. Have a change of mind. Change your mind. Now, obviously, if we're snared in a particular uh, sin, we need to have a change of mind because there's some wrong thinking somewhere that is feeding the bad behavior. But you can be morally upright and need to repent because the, 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 the current level of thought and understanding may not allow for you to move to new levels of growth and maturity. We see that with our kids, right? Our darling children, our darling grandkids. And they have to keep growing to new levels of wisdom and understanding in order for them to mature and to be able to carry out their callings and responsibilities in life. Proverbs 18.2, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but they simply delight in airing their opinions. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We have more than enough opinions to go around in our world, don't we? Not that there's anything wrong with having an opinion, but sometimes we can just think way too highly of our opinions as based upon our level of understanding. And sometimes that comes to points of conflict within human relationships. One of the things that we understand to have uh, healthy relationships in our homes, our marriages and family relationships, is, is just this one little line, if you can always remember this, seek to understand It's hard to be upset with someone when you sense from their being and you feel and you observe that they are seeking to understand you. How many of you know that just feels good? It lets you bring down your guard and then it be, helps you to open up to seek to understand them. All right, who's going to be first, though, to initiate? Come on. All of us should be. Seek to understand. This is what the Lord asks of us. Seek to understand me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. We become snagged in life and our growth is restricted when we come to a level, a point of understanding, and we have a hard time letting that go. It restricts our growth. And other people who want to seek understanding uh, of the Lord, you may have a, an opinion about them that's like, oh, what's wrong with them, man? They're getting way out on the edge or over the edge or whatever. But one of the things that I know about the heart of our Lord as I read the scripture is, blessed are the ones who have a heart 
who's willing to change, who lives with an attitude of repentance. Change me, Lord. I want to be conformed to your likeness. I can't be conformed to his likeness, as the Apostle Paul admonishes, as long as I keep holding on to my particular points and levels of understanding. I can't grow. And if I can't grow, I miss out upon the visitations and the expressions of his divine presence that he wants to manifest in my life. I've watched it again and again, and my heart is ached for dear, wonderful people. Sometimes my friends, well, I know what I believe, and that's where I'm, I'm sticking to. Oh, those words, and I've heard them again and again. They make me want to cry because that person's not growing. That's what religion does for you, though. Yeah, Christianity can just become a religion, a belief system. Here's what I believe, and I know what I believe, and I'm sticking to it, and I got Bible verses to prove it. You remember those guys that Jesus dealt with? They're called the Pharisees. They knew the scriptures the best. They are the ones that were in possession of the scrolls, the Old Testament scriptures that foretold of Jesus Christ and the visitation that was to come through Christ Jesus, the Messiah. And they missed it because they did not have a heart of repentance. They considered themselves wiser. They were stuck at their level of understanding, but they did not have the fuller understanding that actually was in Scripture all along. They just couldn't see it. Now, I must be careful in my own attitude because I could have been one of those. Yeah, any one of us could. It's always easy to look back and say, yeah, those guys, man, what losers. Here they had the scriptures in their possession, told all about the Messiah that was coming, yet they missed Jesus. Where were their heads at anyhow? Where were their hearts? I could have been just one of them just as easy as not. See, we get so locked into sometimes our beliefs and our opinions. And when the spirit moves and the wind blows, we may not even recognize it as being something that the Holy Spirit is doing. And we, we have a hard time tuning in. I love this. Um, um, scripture, Proverbs 4, 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, though it cost all you have. Get understanding. Isn't that a beautiful verse of Scripture? Get understanding. Seek to understand. What is God up to in these days? Have a listening ear and say, I'm so grateful for what I have experienced in Christ and what I understand to be the beauty and the truth of Jesus Christ. I love the scriptures that I have understanding of, but I recognize that I only know in part. And there's a greater part I have yet to behold and to discover. I don't want to miss the greater. 
I don't want to miss the greater. So when the prophet to our house said a few weeks back, I want to pour out my spirit and the very unusual way that people will come from the north, south, east, and west and shall see what has been, uh, what it is to be visited by the presence of the Lord. But I'm reading right from the prophetic word now. I think we might have that on screen. But it is conditioned upon the people who will seek me with all of their hearts and throw away the restraints of yesterday. Throw away the strengths of your mind to break out of the box of past obligations and scenarios. Now, for those of you who are privileged to know Doug, uh, who's been a so wonderful prophet in, 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 the, in the whole movement that I've been a part of for many years, and, and uh, some of you know him personally and stuff, he's been around here over the last 25 years, uh, many times and such. He's not one of these reckless guys that just says, ah, whatever, live however you want it, throw this off, throw that away. Oh, absolutely not. This guy is a student of the scriptures and loves the scriptures and, 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 and he has just his heart of God. He's steadfast. He's a solid man of God. He's been walking and living in this for uh, many, many years, um, decades and decades and decades. And so um, if you didn't know him, you could possibly wonder, okay, is this one of these just kind of reckless, do whatever? Oh, absolutely not. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but here's what, what the Lord was saying. Um, and, and the next line, there will be deep travail within the groanings of your heart, and it shall shake and turn and burn the hearts of many of you. This is an hour to put aside that what you've learned in the past. Seek me with fresh hearts and fresh intensity or I will meet you. I will do the things that I've promised, the dreams that I have given you yesterday and years gone by, the dreams and visions that I have given you to pass. They are not forgotten. I want to talk about that more next week. But on this real point here, sometimes we can tend to fall in love with the past more than in living in, in a place of anticipation of what he was wanting to do in the present and in the future. When our past experiences, encounters with God have been beautiful and they cause us to have a sense of security and they're supposed to and we have this place, this newfound place in Christ that we just rejoice in. But sometimes... I need to relax and say, okay, God, I want to go to a new level, lest I be childish. See, that is our challenge in parenting sometimes, isn't it? You guys have just parented four teenagers, still in process. That's the challenge of a teenager at times, right? Right? All of us went through those stages as little kids and such. You want them to hold fast to the values, but there's new levels and kinds of thought and thinking processes and responses that are important to move into and through adolescence and then on and into adulthood. And we all get that really well, right? 
And sometimes it is very hard when you are the child, you are the adolescent, you are the teenager. It's like, yeah, I do want to grow up, but I don't want to let this go. It's hard. It's difficult. It's painful. And you feel torn, and it brings tears, and it brings sometimes anger because it feels like I'm being torn. Sometimes my parents are trying to pry me out of a certain thought pattern because they think I need to grow, but I'm quite comfortable right there. I want to still think and act the same way. And the parent says, Johnny, son, you really need to give a, have a change of thinking here. You're no longer 12 years old. You're 15 now. <laughs> Did you know the Lord works with us in the exact same way? He's a good father. And sometimes he has, it, he has to work quite fervently to get us to kind of pry, get pride loose of mindsets and thinking that were important in our past to get us to certain levels, but it's time to let go and to embrace a greater truth of reality now, no longer as babes with just the sincere milk of the word, but it's time to take on some meat. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Peter talks about that so well. Now, we all know if we give our, we've got a couple of little toddler grandchildren, we can't give them a chunk of steak right now, our little one-year-old. I mean, he doesn't have the ability to chew that yet, right? He has to have soft foods. He has to have a, a milk and, and liquid and soft food at one years of age, see? So a good parent and his parents will know when they can begin to give him solid food. And that's our Heavenly Father. So what I'm saying is that with every visitation, it's more intended by God to be more than another cool, powerful, fun empowering experience. It's intended to bring maturity and growth. And that's why those who move as the prophets of God, they challenge us. Set aside some of the things you've learned because some of those things are precious, but you can't hold on to them forever. You can't live on off of just the good old days always. God did certain things to get us to certain places, and now there's seasons and where he's saying, okay, just relax a little bit and be ready to embrace new levels of growth. And with growth always comes understanding. Sometimes you'll encounter God in a new way that you do not understand in a visitation. I've watched this in the four major visitations that I have, have uh, witnessed and been a part of, that he'll do something and you go, boy, I don't know. And you got the scriptures open and you're like, man, I don't know where you, where do you get all of this? And then later you go, oh, now I begin to understand. Other times visitations kind of move progressively with as the Holy Spirit enlightens us to new dimensions and greater revelation of Christ, okay, revealed in scriptures that we had not seen before. And you go, oh my goodness. And you begin now to encounter this Christ in different ways. 
as he is bringing a, sometimes it's just like this personal visitation, but it may be a corporate one or something that he does in a whole city. And now you're experiencing this Christ that you, your eyes were opened unto first through scripture. So sometimes you have the encounters first and then your heart goes to the scriptures and say, God, what meaneth this? <laughs> what is this all about? And then you go, Oh, I get it. Oh, in one great uh, Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit encounter <clears throat> that I had, um, <clears throat> I was in, in college, and um, we had an outpouring of the Spirit in, 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 on the campus that happened. It was a Christian college, 900-some students, small. And uh, we had um, one week of special meetings of where we had chapel in the morning and then we had chapel at night. And so this one evening, um, it was the last evening, I believe it was Friday night, and the guest speaker um, had no agenda as such, but just was saying, man, is your, where's your heart? Is your heart for more of the Lord, to grow in the Lord? Now he's speaking to 18 to 25-year-olds, and there were some in their upper 20s in the school, but most would have been 18 to 25 range. And, uh, and, and he says, you know, where's your heart? Now, most all of us were actually Christians. We were followers of Christ. And maybe a few of the students, I'm not sure. Maybe they hadn't really embraced Christ as Lord of their life, but, but most everyone was. And there's this, 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 this outpouring of his presence that happened. And for many of us in our background, um, speaking in a spiritual language or tongues was not a part of our understanding even, let alone experience. And this is happening on this conservative evangelical campus Freaking some people out, but there's this change, this impact of the heart, the devotion of the heart. It was, it was going on. Well, it, it wasn't for, um, um, uh, was about six months later, I was then living in Mexico with Stan Mishler's parents at the time. <clears throat> and so I'm down there, and I would sit and have, um, we'd study the scriptures together. Stan's father, Mel, would sit down and I said, I want to know in Scripture what was God doing in this outpouring. So in that case, I encountered something first and had seen it a few times before. Now he is laying out in Scripture, giving me understanding, and it just caused the whole encounters and experience to become more rich. Do you see what I'm saying? Some of you have had that kind of encounters. And later it's like, I don't know. All I know is that God showed up in a powerful way and something has happened in my heart. Something has shifted. And one of the latest visitations that we experienced, it was really a revelation of the Father heart of God, Father's love. And we watched people, some of you experience this, healing we watched people would come and be on the floor into the presence and the power of God for an hour or two or three at a time. Couldn't get up. The presence of God was so powerful, it was like they were stuck to the floor. And sometimes every time they would come, 
to the meetings. And this went on over a two and a half year period. And some of them would be there week after week after week. And seeing people being healed of very traumatic types of abuse in their past life. And they're being healed of these things. And there was this revelation that Jesus is the one who's going to come and heal. And that the Father's love for them was, was, was there to, to, to bring healing to the hearts, to the trauma. It was beautiful and powerful. And then that caused us in turn to begin to go to the scriptures in whole new levels and ways of us understanding the Father heart of God. Well, <clears throat> what the prophet has admonished us is simply this. Let me get back here to my notes here. Let's have an anticipation of what he wants to do. Uh, Jordan shared with us a few weeks ago, expectancy versus expectation. Let me read it to you. Expectation is based on waiting. I think, do we have this on screen here? Expectation. There we go. Uh, expectation is based on waiting on a pre-established conclusion to occur. Expectancy is based on the passionate awaiting of the marvelous, whatever its manifestations. And this is one of the things that the prophets spoke about, expectancy. Having a heart and saying, God, whatever you want to do, you do it. And you know what? One of the marks of a true mature Christian is one who is in continual process of change and thinking about God concerning the scriptures and what he's doing. That's the mark of maturity, okay? It has been thought and understood by some Christians that the mark of maturity is knowing what you believe, being certain about it, being able to explain it, and sticking to your guns. Sorry, that's not what the scriptures teach. The whole Christian walk is about continually changing and growing, continually. It's not about forming a belief system and sticking to your guns. That's a mark of immaturity. It comes out of insecurity. It may make you feel good about yourself, but it's not the mark of maturity. A mark of maturity is God I have such confidence in you. I trust you. I trust you within leading my life. Speak to me. Teach me your ways. And I know to embrace your ways in this present season of my life, I may need to let go of some of the things that I understood or you're going to move in a different related manner. It's not that he just, you know, throw everything away. Oh, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. But there needs to be a shift. And so this is like so huge that every morning we wake up and say, God, I want to be transformed. I'm done, but here are three little short prayers that I wrote here on my notes that I just want to share with you. What if we were to make these our prayers? Lord, give me the courage to welcome a change in my thinking and understanding of who you are and how you work. Lord, set me free from any thinking and understanding of who you are that limits me and keeps me from growing. Third, Lord, open the eyes of my heart to see you and the scriptures with fresh vision by your spirit. 
so that I may be transformed. I'm going to read through them again. I want to invite you, if you like, just to out loud make these our prayer together. I'm going to go back to the first of the three. Lord, give me the courage to welcome a change in my thinking and understanding of who you are and how you work. Lord, set me free from any thinking and understanding of who you are that limits me and keeps me from growing. Lord, open the eyes of my heart to see you and the scriptures with fresh vision by your spirit so that I may be transformed. Everybody said, amen. Let's stand up together. Well, there's some food for thought. And an old farm expression says, eat the hay, spit out the sticks. (laughs) Whatever is good for edification, chew on it. And whatever is not, cast aside. God, here we stand and thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for challenging us to grow. (laughs) It'd be an awful thing to stand before you in judgment and realize that we were lazy and didn't really ever want to grow and (laughs) that wouldn't be a good thing. But thank you that you motivate us to grow and you don't do it with threats of punishment, but rather you do it by invitation so that we can taste and see of the good things of the Lord, that the promises that are have been shared and put out before us. So in Jesus' name, thank you for your kindness and goodness towards us. And everybody said, amen. amen. Next week, I want to talk about some of the things that the prophet said that promises are before. How do we position ourselves to obtain, to lay hold of that which is about to be birthed? I think there's some things that we all have understanding of but maybe we'll talk about it a little bit and see if we can gain even a, maybe a little broader perspective of that, okay? So, hey, blessings, have a good day. Have a good week. See you.